You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Now listen, tag a friend, let them know that we're we're alive. And after the recording, remember, I take a few minutes and I answer some of your questions. Your questions are very important to me. Uh, listen, you can uh, also get the audio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Listen, it's going to be a blessing. So much is happening. Uh, we had some weather situations. That's why we were not here uh, uh, last a week. Uh, we pray for supernatural restoration for all those in Texas and in, in the different areas uh, who have been uh, damaged and and loss of power as it relates to the weather. We pray for them. We also crossed a a devastating mark uh, yesterday. 500,000 people uh, have died to the coronavirus, and we pray for supernatural comfort for those families, supernatural comfort, supernatural peace, supernatural joy, for all those who have had loved ones to depart. And we pray that you stay safe and that you social distance. And we, we believe supernatural grace over your life uh, during this pandemic. I got some good news before we get in our lesson today. My wife and I, my wife's nickname is Pete. She has a boy nickname. Her name is Kanitha, but, but her nickname is Pete. We were talking the other day about marriage and about our marriage and how God had uh, blessed us. And we just reminisced a little bit about our past. And my wife, Pete, mentioned the fact that there would be a lot of people who would get blessed by listening to us talk about marriage and about our relationship. So we decided that we're going to get together, my wife and I, and my daughter Tiffany is going to moderate on March the 9th. March the 9th. Make a note of that. March the 9th, my wife and I uh, and Pete and my daughter Tiffany is going to facilitate, and we're going to talk about our relationship. We're going to talk about marriage, and I believe it's going to be a blessing to you, whether you're married, want to be married, or single. I just believe that it's going to be a blessing for you. So, Write that down. Make a note. March the 9th, we're going to do a special, have a special time, my wife and I. We're just going to talk, talk about our relationship, talk about relationships, and talk about marriage. And I believe it's going to be a blessing for you. Now, I'm going to continue a series that I began a few weeks ago, and the series is entitled of The No Lack State of Life the no lack state of life. This is our second lesson, second episode. And in review, we said that lack, the word lack means to want. It means to be in need. It, it means to be without that which is essential, without that which is necessary. The word lack means to be deficient, to be behind, to come up short, uh, to come late. 
lack. We also said that God's desire for his children is that they prosper in life and experience no lack. God wants us to experience no lack. In that first lesson, I also talked uh, from Psalms 23 about the comprehensive nature of this no lack state. There is a no lack state in God. There is a place in God where when you look around your life, spirit, soul, body, socially, financially, you can get to a place in your life where there is no lack. And that's what we're talking about, the no lack state of life. Now, uh, I had a question, and, and listen, again, at the end of the podcast, I got my iPad here ready to receive your questions. You always ask great questions, and we're going to answer them. Uh, but there was a question our last time out, and it, 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 this question grabbed me, and it literally changed the directions of what I was going to teach today. And here's the question. The question was, elaborate. Now, I was talking about, I was talking from Psalms 23 about the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, thou shalt not lack. And this person said, elaborate on the natural function of a shepherd and their sheep and how it applies to us as sheep or members of the body of Christ and you as our shepherd, as our pastor. How is vital, in other words, elaborate on how it's vital for our path of prosperity in this set place. So here's what I heard the, from the question. Two parts. Elaborate on the natural side or the natural function of a shepherd to the sheep, to believers and God. But I also heard that uh, elaborate on the connection between the pastor shepherd and the sheep. The pastor shepherd and the sheep. Now, that was a great question. And because of that question, I want to talk about the no lack state and the pastor the no lack state and the pastor. Or we could say the no lack state and your pastor. The connection between you as a Christian, as a believer, the connection between you and your pastor. Every Christian should be connected to a local church and every Christian should have a pastor. So we're talking about the no lack state and your pastor or the pastor. So I'm not just going to be talking about myself, but I'm going to be talking about the office of the pastor. So let's begin by talking about, and I got several points. I want to talk about the importance of the pastor I want to talk about who is the pastor, 
what are the roles of the pastor, the benefits of having a pastor, and the connection to the no-lack state. And then I want to talk about the believer's response to their pastor. And I believe it's going to be a blessing. And I want to just thank the person who gave this question because I was not thinking along this line, but I, it is critical. It was a critical, it was a spirit-led question. So let's talk about the importance of the pastor. In Matthew chapter 9, and I want to give you proof text, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, in the New King James Version. Now, this is after Jesus came out, saw this great crowd of people, and this is what happens. The scripture says, but he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That's Matthew 9, 36 in the New King James Version. So I decided to look up this verse in other translations. We're talking about the importance of a pastor. In Matthew 9, 36 in the New Century Version, it says, they were hurting and helpless. Jesus came out and he saw the people and they were hurting and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In the New American Standard Bible, Matthew 9, 36 says, they were distressed and dispirited. In the century English version of the Bible, Matthew 9, 36, it says, they were confused and helpless. In the NIV, the New International Version, Matthew 9, 36, it says, they were harassed and helpless. And then finally, in the New Living Translation, Matthew 9, 36, it says, because, in other words, he had compassion toward them because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go to get help. So when you look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, we see the state of believers who have no shepherd, who have no Pastor, the Bible said they were weary, scattered. They were hurting, helpless. They were distressed, disquieted. They were confused and helpless, harassed and helpless. And they had problems that were so great, but they didn't know where to go to get help. I looked in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 4 through 5. Ezekiel 34. Four, verse 4 through 5, in the New King James Version, we're talking about the importance of having a pastor, the importance of a shepherd. It says, the weak, and God was reprimanding shepherds who did not care for the sheep. He said, the weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, bound up those who were broken, nor brought back those who were driven away, nor sought those who were lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. 
So, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Notice, Christians are scattered when they don't have a shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. They became beasts. In other words, sheep without a shepherd are scattered. But the scripture says that they became beasts to the field because they had no shepherd to protect them. Talking about the importance of a shepherd. So right away, we see having a, a shepherd should cause you to be settled, and, it's, and, and the shepherd or pastor brings a level of spiritual protection. So who is the pastor? Who is the pastor? According to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that when God, Jesus, ascended back to heaven, he gave gifts to men, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So this pastoral office is a special office because it is a gift from Jesus to the local church. It is a gift from Jesus to the local church. A pastor is a gift from Jesus to the local church. And according to Jeremiah 3.15, the pastor that's called by God has God's heart for the sheep. So your pastor is a gift to your local church. It's a gift. Now, what are the roles of the pastor? Now, I'm going through this because I want to make the connection to the question that the person asked. What are the roles of the pastor? Let's talk briefly and quickly about the roles of the pastor. There are three primary roles of the pastor. There are many others, but three primary. The pastor's role is to take oversight, and I'm taking these three things from first. Peter 5, 2, to take the oversight of the local church. Secondly, to feed the flock. And thirdly, to be an example. Now, 1 Peter 5, 2 says that the pastor is to take the oversight. That means the pastor should serve as the head of the local church, is the lead authority in the local church. The pastor is the one that receives the vision for the local church, cast the vision of the local church. The pastor is responsible for seeing to it that things get done in the local church, not do everything, but see to it that things get done. The pastor is to pour his or her life into the leaders. The pastor is to pray for the flock as the head of the flock, and the pastor is to love and protect the flock. All that comes under the heading of taking the oversight. Now, secondly, and, and one of the chief responsibilities of the pastor, your pastor, according to 1 Peter 5.2, the pastor is to feed the flock. And then Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, tells us that the pastor is to feed the sheep with knowledge and understanding Remember one of the 
passage, one of the texts in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, in the New Living Translation says that Jesus was moved with compassion toward the sheep because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. You see, the pastor's job is to not be Jesus to the sheep, but the pastor's job is to feed the sheep with knowledge and understanding. In other words, the pastor's job is to give the sheep God's perspective on all the areas of life, spirit, soul, body, social, and financial, God's perspective, his values, his ways of doing things, and then the pastor's job is to not just give knowledge, but understanding how to do it. How do I take this word? How do I take God's perspective and apply it to my everyday life? That's the role of the pastor, to feed the flock. But thirdly, the pastor's job, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, the pastor's job is to be an example to the flock. Be an example to the flock. I keep a journal, and the Spirit of God spoke to me, and my journal goes all the way back to the early 80s. And in my journal on March the 11th, March, March the 11th, 1994, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said this. He said, a good pastor is an example to the flock. You see, Jesus is our Lord. He is the head shepherd. But Jesus, when he went back, gave gifts to men because he understood that men, humans, need contemporary role models. So he gave representatives. These representatives should be examples or role models or patterns of Jesus Christ. So one of the chief responsibilities of the pastor is to be an example. Now, with understanding the importance of the shepherd, who the pastor is, the role of the pastor, let's go to the question. The question was, elaborate on the natural function of a shepherd and their sheep, and we did that last week, talking about uh, Psalms 23, but also how it applies to us as members of a church, you as our shepherd, how is it vital for our path of prosperity in this set place? So now, how does having a pastor, a good pastor, how does that benefit me that's what's being asked. How, why, how is it vital to me in terms of this no-lack state? See, Mike, you said that there's a no-lack no, no state. And the questioner asked the question, how does the pastor connect to this no-lack state? And how is the pastor, my pastor, is vital to that no-lack state? Well, great question. Because in Jeremiah chapter 23, and I want you to make a note of this, Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 
3 through 4, and I want you to go back and read it. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 3 through 4. Listen what the Lord says. He says, but I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their foes. Now, notice they were scattered from the fold. He said, I'm going to bring them back to their foes. Didn't say one fold, but to their foes. So he's saying, many of our sheep have been scattered. I'm going to bring them back to their foes, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Now, notice that. He says that when I bring my sheep back to their foes, he says that they'll be fruitful and they will increase. Now, listen what he says. And this is verse 4. I will set up shepherds, plural. So we're not talking about just Pastor Mike. We're talking about all the shepherds that God has chosen, has placed his heart in. He says, I will set up shepherds over them at who will feed them. Now watch this. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. Now listen again. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, not entertain them, not exploit them, not take advantage of them. He said that I will set up shepherds, plural, I will set up shepherds who will feed them, and they shall, now watch this, I will set up shepherds over them, and they will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Now, that's, that, that's the connection right there. How does this no lack state connect to your pastor? Now, notice it says, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. Now, watch this. And they shall fear no more. They will come to a place in life where they're not living out of fear. They will not be dismayed. They will not be living discouraged and despondent and depressed all the time. And then he says, they shall not be lacking. And that's what we're talking about, that no lack state. Now notice God connects that no lack state to your Pastor, does that mean the apostle and the prophet evangelist doesn't contribute or teaches that? Absolutely. I'm not saying that at all. But there is a unique experience every Christian has or should have with that pastor because that is the primary voice that the person is, that sheep is hearing. That's the primary voice. That, that's that foundation layer in that believer's, that new believer's life. Now, when I um, was asked this question, I had decided <clears throat> that I wanted to share my testimony about my pastor, Dr. Frederick Casey Price. Now, I made that decision two weeks ago 
because it was two weeks ago that this question was asked. Little did I know at the time that my pastor would depart and be in heaven now. But I still want to take the time and share my connection with my pastor as it relates to this no-lack state. I, I, the first time I heard of Dr. Fred Price, my pastor, and we're talking about the connection between the pastor and your no-lack state. The first time I heard of my pastor was in 1980, 40 years ago. 1980, I uh, was a Presbyterian pastor. I was a basically a babe in Christ. I was pastoring the church, really. I was a novice, really shouldn't have been pastor, but I was pastoring the church. And uh, God had um, led us and part of my church into the spirit-filled life. And so I was teaching on being saved and being filled with the spirit, with the Bible evidence, speaking with tongues. And another pastor, a Presbyterian pastor in our denomination who really was a leader in our denomination asked me to come to his church and share in a revival about this spirit-filled life. So I went to the church in this particular city and I shared and it it was wonderful. The Spirit of God moved. Uh, the pastor was filled with the Spirit. His wife was filled with the Spirit. I think his daughter was filled with the Spirit, who was a musician at the church. Uh, many of his elders, leaders were filled with the Spirit. Ministers in the church were filled with the Spirit. The congregation, I mean, it was a supernatural revival. Uh, after one of those uh, nights that I was doing the revival, a, a, a spirit-filled Baptist pastor who lived in the same city came up to me and said this. He said, you, my kind of man, you, my kind of preacher, and then he said something that literally changed my life. He said, you remind me of Fred Price. And naturally, I wanted to know who Fred Price was. I had never heard of Fred Price. I I had never saw him on television, didn't know anything about him. And then he told me this preacher out in California and said, you remind me of him. So naturally, I wanted to to find out who this Fred Price was, didn't know anything about him. And then one uh, morning, early in the morning, I saw this African-American preacher with this uh, neatly cut afro, really sharp dressing, and it was Dr. Price. And boy, I just got connected spiritually, and and I was watching him uh, early in the morning. That's the only time I could get him on television was early in the morning. I would get up early in the morning, and after watching him in my spirit, I sensed the Spirit of God saying to me, you go and do likewise. Little did I know that that was a spiritual connection. He was connecting me to my pastor who was on the other side of the country. So I just dived into this man. I I, I listened to, I would get up 
early in the morning because the only time I could catch him at that time was early in the morning. I would get up early in the morning. I would watch him on television, and, and finally I could order some of his CDs. I didn't have a whole lot of money at that time. That was those, those struggle days. So I would buy the CDs and listen to the CDs. And I got on the mailing list and I got his magazine. It was called Ever Increased Messenger. And I got, I saved this magazine, was one of the first magazines that I got. Um, and it's dated August 1983. In 1983, uh, and I keep this magazine in my journal, but I everything that he taught, I would listen to. I, li I read all of his books, uh, his magazines. I couldn't connect with him, didn't have enough money to go out to California, but finally got a chance to go out to some of the meetings out there. I just dived into and connected spiritually to my pastor. I knew everything he taught. I listened to his testimonies. I, uh, I listened to everything he wrote, everything he said. Uh, I could quote it, and then in minister, I would take his sermons, and I would preach his sermons. I didn't change the title of it. I didn't, I didn't change the jokes. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was connecting to my pastor, and, you know, I, I'm at the point where I could stand up right now in his church and preach in his church, and it will be the same. It will come out of a different vessel, different personality, but it would come out in a way where that congregation will hear their pastor because I got him on the inside of me. He was my divine connection. He was my pastor. And there was nobody that I knew more about. And remember, it wasn't a personal thing, but not a going out to dinner and lunch thing. I connected to him spiritually to the point where if you cut me open, Fred Price would flow out of me. Now, some people think that's idolatry, but it's, it is not. And I'll explain that to you. I wanted, I wanted to know my pastor, and I wanted to connect with my pastor. But I didn't realize that connecting to your pastor is a pivotal thing in connecting to that no-lack state. And I, I, I look at Christians a lot of times, some don't have a pastor. Some don't even think it's necessary to have a pastor. Some said they have many pastors, and then others have pastors, but they don't spend time in what the pastor teach. They don't know the doctrine of the pastor. They don't, they don't study the pastor. I studied my pastor. I studied him, and I believe uh, as I move into this final part, I believe that this no lack state is connected to our pastor. I believe that with all my heart. I learned from others. There were other teachers that I learned from. There were prophets that I learned from. There were other pastors that I learned from. But I knew my pastor's doctrine. There are some people, they know everybody else's doctrine, but they don't know their pastor doctrine. The Apostle Paul said concerning Timothy, 
he fully knows my doctrine. And, you know, pastors are different. They have different perspectives, different insights. And I believe that when God connects a believer to his pastor, I believe that there are several things because we we receive uh, differently. And there are many ministers that I can listen to, but I could receive from him. It was simple to me. It was plain to me. I could connect to it. And I believe that when God connects us to a pastor, it's somebody that we can, we can receive from, and it, it connects with us. The way he said it connected with me. But not only that, I believe that when you connect to a local church, you're to bring something to that church. There's something that you have, gifting grace or something, that you're supposed to invest in that local church. And I think it's mutual. I think as you commit, you're learning the doctrine of your pastor because your pastor should be teaching the word, the doctrine of your pastor, and you're investing in that ministry, I believe then God began to invest in you and it began to impact your life in a supernatural way. So now, having connected to my pastor, when I look across my life, spirit, Spiritually, there are five basic areas of life. When I look at my life, spiritually, my pastor brought stability to my life. He created a foundation. It was that foundation when I listened to all these other preachers and stuff like that. I listened out of the grid of the foundation that my pastor laid on the inside of me. So I'm not caught up with all kinds of things that's going on because there are a lot of people saying a lot of other things. But spiritually, I grew spiritually. Mentally and emotionally, I went from a person worrying all the time to not worrying like trusting God. Learn that from my pastor. Physically, I learned to receive and, and, and used, my stomach used to hurt me. This, my stomach don't hurt me like that. Physically, I was blessed. When I look at financially, God brought me from a state of struggle, uh, survival, believing for this and believing for that to believing for that and believing for this need and believing for that need to no longer having to believe for all these different needs. I believe now for helping other folk. And then when I look at my marriage, I looked at my pastor and his wife, Dr. Betty, and my wife and I, we learned from them on how to relate to each other. And now I have a wonderful marriage. So spirit, soul, body, social, and financially, I have moved into a no-lack state. Now, are there growth? Absolutely. Is there more potential? Is, is there other heights, other levels, absolutely. But I'm telling you, that connection made the difference in my life. And I believe that your pastor will make a difference in your life if you connect to him. If you're just sitting in church, you don't listen to what he's saying, because a lot of times what you're praying to God about God is speaking to your pastor and leading your pastor to teach along those lines. But if you don't position yourself 
to hear what your pastor has to say, you don't go back and listen to it, then you're not going to get the benefit of the gift. No gift will bless you if you don't open the gift. If you don't open it, if you don't receive it, it can be a wonderful gift, but it's not going to be a blessing. So what is the believer's response? I think that there are four basic responses that you should have to your pastor. You should discover, know, esteem, and follow. Discover, know, esteem, and follow. Now listen at this. You should discover who your pastor is. You should know your pastor. You should esteem your pastor, and you should follow your pastor. Now, let's look at each area. Let's look at each area. Let's look at each area. Every Christian, every believer has to discover, discover who their pastor is. Now, notice I didn't say choose I didn't say decide in themselves, well, I like him, or I like her, or I, I like this, or I like that, or I like this in the church, and I like this good, they got a good children's church, and they got this kind of ministry, and they got, that. people choose churches like they shop for clothes, like they shop for cars, how they shop for furniture. They're looking for the best deal. Where can I get the best deal? So if I, if I get a good deal over here, then I connect here. Then if I look over here and I see a better deal over here, then I connect. Listen, no, 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 no. Your pastor and their church is connected to your destiny. You have dreams. You have vision. You have goals. God knows who you need to submit to in order for not just the vision of that church, but your own personal vision. God knows who's going to facilitate your vision and get it out. So Christians, we're not choosing. We're not deciding I want this person to be my pastor. We're discovering who God has chosen. Now listen, Jeremiah 3.15 Jerry, I see you get, I see your questions coming in, your comments coming in. That's good. Listen at this. Jeremiah 3.15 says, I will give you pastors according to my heart. Now listen what he says. I'm going to give you the pastor. He didn't say you're going to choose. He said, I will give you a pastor. Well, I don't like her. I don't like the way she preached. I don't like him. I don't like that. I don't like this. Listen. I will give you pastors according to my heart. Jeremiah 3.15, Jeremiah 23.4. I will set up shepherds over them. I will set up shepherds over them. Jeremiah 23.4, 1 Corinthians 12.18. But now God has set the members, now God has set the members Every one of them in the body as it is pleased him, not as you're pleased, as it is pleased him. Years ago, years ago, many years ago, our church will be 40 years uh, in April, but many years ago, uh, 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 a person said, I know I'm supposed to be at Faith Chapel. 
He said, he said this to me. He was leaving church one day. He said, I know I'm supposed to be here. He said, but, you know, I don't like the music here. He said, I don't like the music here. I think, I think, I think because our music wasn't traditional black gospel, and, and there's no put down to that. Listen to how I'm saying it. I'm not saying that that's wrong. Uh, I think because our music wasn't traditional black gospel, he felt that our music was too white. He felt it was just too white, okay? So he was making a decision. He never joined the church, never joined the church. Well, is he going to go to heaven? Yeah, he's going to go to heaven because he made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life, okay? So that's not the issue, but I believe there was something that I was supposed to contribute to his life. I believe that there was something he was supposed to contribute to this church. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. But he was basing it off what he liked. I like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. I like that. But notice it says, but now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it is pleased him, not as it is pleased you, him. So first thing, you have to discover who your pastor is. The second thing, I remember, discover, know, esteem, follow. Secondly, you need to know your pastor. First Thessalonians 5, 12 says, and we beseech you, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Now, the scripture says that we're to know those that are over us, okay? So right away, it's obvious that he's not just talking about physical contact. I knew my pastor. I knew Dr. Fred Price. I, I know him. I know what he thinks. I know what he believes. I know about how he relates because he tells me. So it's not about physical contact because this man was a th over a thousand miles away. Okay, over a thousand miles away. So how do I know my pastor? How do I know the person that's leading me? You know them, number one, by what the word says about the pastor. What does the word say about the pastor? And I gave you some insight about that at the beginning of this lesson. What does the word say about the pastor? Secondly, you know them by their fruit. As much as possible, you should inspect fruit. When I think about my pastor, Dr. Fred Price, I know that he was a man of character and integrity because over the span of his life, there was no scandal. Think about it. There was no scandal. You've never heard about him running around with women. Now, you may not like his personality. You may not like this. You may not like that. But you never heard about uh, the, the, the money situation where the government came in and said they were taking all this money and exploiting people. You never heard about that. Now, he taught tithing, he taught giving, but you didn't hear anything legal that he had done illegal when it came to money, 
There was no scandal in his life. You never heard about him going with this woman and going with that woman. See, we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. That doesn't mean the pastor has to be perfect and maybe the pastor fail or whatever, and we're going to let the pastor get back up, but we're going to hold the pastor, and you should hold the pastor ball accountable for integrity, character, that I knew based off the testimony, um, I knew by listening about his attitude, I watched his attitude, I watched how he handled things, how he did with things. I wasn't trying to be him, his personality, but I was trying to see, is there any integrity there? Is there any character there? So we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. You shall know them by their fruit. And if people are not living right, sooner or later it's going to hit the fan. Sooner or later it's going to get out. So you know them in terms of t integrity. I knew, them, I, I knew my pastor by his personal testimony because I always listened to him. I wanted to listen to him what he said. I, I wanted to hear him teach the word, but I want to listen because I want to see how he treated his wife. I want to see how he treated his kids. And, and then I wanted to look at the wife and see, is she happy? Is she, is she all right? Is, is, is he taking care of her, you know, and stuff? She's sitting right there when he talks about her. What, how's she looking? You know, what about his kids? See, you're supposed to be fruit inspectors. I knew them by their personal testimony. And then I knew him by the Holy Spirit out of my prayer time. The Holy Spirit. I knew him spiritually. It was God that connected me to that man. It wasn't some program. It wasn't some. See, if you like a program, if they stop the program, you got to find another church because you got to find a program. No, no, I wasn't connected to the program. God connected me. I was watching the man, and in my heart, this man a thousand miles away, in my heart, the Spirit of God said, you go and do likewise. Right down in my heart. Go, you go and do likewise. So I'm connected to him spiritually. I never, we never hung out eating dinner and lunch and stuff like that. I didn't need that. It'd been great. I didn't even pursue that. I wanted his wisdom. I wanted his knowledge. I wanted his understanding. Because, see, a personal relationship. That's great if you can get it, but you can't walk away with that. But his wisdom and his knowledge and his lifestyle and the way he carried himself, you know, it impacted my ministry because I was standing in the front yard of our first campus. Grass was up to my knees, and I was trying to figure out why people were following him and not following me and I'm preaching his sermon, and the grass was up to my knee. And then I went on their campus, and everything was immaculate. It was wonderful. The hedges trimmed, the bathrooms nice, the grounds looking excellent. So I'm learning excellence. I'm gaining excellency. It's impacting my life. So the Spirit connects you to somebody who will impact you, impact you in a beneficial way. It wasn't idolatry. No, no. 
because as I connected to him, my, I understood God better. It wasn't him. He wasn't, he wasn't leading me to him. It was his lifestyle. I was patterning my life. I wanted, it was his integrity. It was his character. It was his faith to build this dome debt free. See, I'm getting that kind of insight. I didn't want him. I wanted his wisdom, his knowledge, his example. So I knew him spiritually. Now, I'll say this. Many Christians, they pray for their pastor, but they don't pray about their pastor. They don't pray about their pastor. Now, listen to me. You shouldn't just pray for your pastor. You should pray about your pastor, about him. I remember years ago, years ago, uh, our first deacon, Brother Spencer, Delantha Spencer, uh, that man helped me. I don't have the words to explain how much he helped me. But years ago, I was passing my first church, and he was a part of that first church. He was an elder, leader in that first church. And he and his family and many, a few others had got turned on to the word. You know, it, see, it impacted his marriage. They, t- they tell, used to tell me that they were uh, headed for divorce court. They, were, they filed the papers for divorce and all that. And then I came in and began to share the word and their marriage turned around and God blessed their marriage. And, and so he saw the impact of his pastor on his personal life. And so he, when I was led by God to leave, he said he went in the bathroom, was praying. He said, God, send my pastor back to me. Send my pastor back to me. Send him back, Lord. And he said in the bathroom, the Spirit of God spoke to him, said, I've sent him to do what he's doing, and you go and help him. Wow, I sent him. Now listen, he's praying about his pastor. I sent him, and you go and help him. And that man stayed with me till his death. One of the most faithful men on the planet. He stayed with me, and he stayed with me, and I was a baby. He stayed with me, and I made mistakes. He stayed with me, and I made bad decisions. He he was spiritually connected, see. He didn't just pray for me. He prayed about me. You need to pray. If I'm your pastor, God, show me my pastor. Show me his heart. Show me what he's trying to do. Help me to see him. Now, if you pray about your pastor, then God will get you past some of his weaknesses and her weaknesses. Because we all got some weaknesses. We all got stuff we growing in. But, but when you know your pastor spiritually, God, show me my pastor's heart. Help me to see what he's doing. Connect me. Pray about him. And God will show you your pastor's heart. And then you'll know him spiritually. Then, then thirdly, esteem your pastor. Esteem. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 says, esteem, esteem them very highly in love. Esteem them for their works sake. Now, I, I want to tie this. I want to tie this in, and, 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 and I gotta, I'm moving. I got to move kind of quick now. I got to move kind of quick now. But to esteem your pastor, 
is really an element of the fear of the Lord. The Bible says, Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want or lack to them that fear him. That's Psalm 34, 9. Praise ye the Lord. Blesseth the man who feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Psalms 112, 1 and 3. Now notice it connects the fear of the Lord with delighting in the word. The fear of the Lord with delighting in the word. The fear of the Lord is to reverence the Lord, to esteem the Lord, to respect the Lord. But the scripture says to respect the Lord is to respect his word, to honor his word. And some people don't connect the dots. If your pastor is feeding you the word to honor your pastor, to fear the Lord, is to position yourself to hear what the pastor has to say. Because there are times when God is speaking to the pastor to get your need met, and he's also speaking to the pastor to prepare you for something that's coming down the road. You see, when you connect the fear of the Lord to the role of the pastor to feed the flock and to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake, not for their personality's sake, their work of getting in that word and, and meditating that word and preparing those sermons, then you will understand that that pastor has a pivotal role in your life. And that's why I was willing to get up early in the morning. I was willing to get up early before everybody got up because I needed to hear my pastor. I wanted to hear what my pastor, if he had a book came out, I read the book. If he had a new CD, I, listen, if, if we had had the technology that we had to now, and my pastor had a church, had an app, and the, and the stuff is free, I would have listened to everything my pastor said. I would have I spent quality time connecting because I understand that now I'm fearing God because God is speaking through him. God is speaking through her. So now I value, I'm going to position myself to hear what God is saying through my pastor. And so many Christians... They don't have reverential fear for God, and they don't have uh, esteem for their pastor. So oftentimes they're praying, and God is sending the answer through the pastor, but they miss it. Didn't listen to that, didn't hear that, didn't attend that. And so there's no real fear of the Lord. So you're to discover, know, esteem, and then follow. Now, when I say follow, I don't mean become them. Becoming them would be idolatry. The Bible does not tell us to become our pastor. Here's what the Bible says in terms of follow in Hebrews 13, 7. It says, Hebrews 13, 7, New King James Version, remember those who, who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Remember those who have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now watch this, whose faith follow, not their personality. Don't try to be them. No, 
whose faith follow. You follow their faith. That's what I was following. I want to hear, I want to see, because I'm going to follow the faith and I'm going to consider the end of your conversation because when I look at the end of your conduct, I see this dome built. I see you got a good marriage. I see you got kids who serve in the Lord. So I'm going to follow that faith right there. So you're to discover, know, uh, esteem, and follow your pastor. I got some great questions here. I, I know these are great questions before I even before I even look at them. But the rest of the way, let's look at these questions. Comment. Oh, like, I thank you for this comment. It says, you are definitely an example and a role model. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Uh, I want to be, you know, sometimes my wife will say, Mike, you're a good husband. And then I'll say, I want to be. Well, I, what I mean is it's a work in progress. I know me better than, than anybody know me. You know what I mean? It's a work in progress. So if for you, then I'm an example and a role model. I'm glad of that because I want to be. I'm trying to be that. Comment. I do agree with this. I have grown so much under your teaching. A whole lot of stuff had to be torn down and rebuilt, and I'm in a good place spiritually. <clears throat> Who you connect to makes a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Over a period of time, your life should get better. I mean, just over a period of time, somewhere spiritually should get better or mentally, emotionally should get better. Physically, some should get better over a period of time when you're connected. Here's a third comment. I thank the Lord for my friend who invited me to come to Faith Chapel, one of the best decisions I ever made. Thank you for that. Those comments were beautiful. I appreciate it. Of course, got some questions. So is choosing a pastor, shepherd, a major decision in our lives? What are some ways to make it easier to make that decision in life of choosing a set place and a pastor? Listen, here's what I think, and that's a wonderful question. Is choosing a pastorship a major decision in our lives? Listen, here's my belief. This is me personally. I believe next to receiving Jesus Christ as Lord, and next to who you marry. I believe the greatest decision you will make is who your pastor is and, and where you go to church. I really believe that. Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's no decision you can make better than that one. Who you marry is will color the whole of your thoughts and your actions, and it just colors everything. You cut me open. I said, Dr. Price will flood, uh, 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 flood out, but before he flood out, Petey's going to flood out. That's my wife's nickname. You cut me open. Petey's everywhere. She colors everything in my life. There's no part of my life that she doesn't color. She's not connected to Second greatest decision you ever make, and I think the third greatest decision you ever make is who you who is your pastor and where you go to church. What? And this is why I say it: all these other great decisions, major decisions, for the most part, is going to be colored by what you're hearing week in and week out. Your decision making, your pastor is impacting you, whether you realize it or not. 
impacting your, your worldview, your frame of reference, how you think that pastor, that information that's flowing is having a, a broad impact. That's why I say it's very important. And here again, I, I, I think, how do you make choosing that easy? I, in some cases, it's not easy because when God connects you, he doesn't connect you by committee. He doesn't ask you, well, what does your parents think? What does your husband think? What does your wife think? What does your children think? What does uh, the people in your neighborhood, what does the people in your church? God doesn't do that. So sometimes choosing that pastor can be difficult, difficult, because you know, people want you to be with them. That's just the bottom line. I want you to be with me. You know, a lot of times people are choosing based off what they want. Like, for example, my mother, my mother joined Faith Chapel, the church I pastor, after my kids were born. She didn't join before. She would come to special meetings and stuff like that. My mama told me this one time. She said, Mike, I like you. You know, he's talking about my teaching. She said, but I like a little gravy. She said, she like, I like a little gravy. You know, she, she was in a church where the pastor was a preacher and she just enjoyed that. And there are, don't get me wrong, there are dynamic preachers, but that's not Pastor Mike. You're not going to get any preaching for them. But I've seen some dynamic preachers and dynamic preacher teachers. It's just wonderful gifts. So she wanted that, okay? So a lot of times people are choosing what they think is best. You have to hear God. So I don't know how to make it easy for you because everybody's not going to appreciate it, but it's a great question. Uh, Fifth of the next question, what is your biggest disappointment as a pastor? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's a great question. And I'm going to go over a little bit because I want to answer these questions. My biggest disappointment as a pastor, when I look back, is I think that there was a stage in my life where I wasn't a good leader. And when you're not a good leader, you don't, you're not a good steward of the gifts and the people that God give you. So my greatest disappointment is that I believe that I lost some gifts that God gave me, not because of them, but because of my immaturity. And so sometimes I think about, wow, if I know what I know now, I think I could have helped this person and I could have helped that person and I could have pulled it together better. And so my greatest disappointment is that my immaturity, now I'm not, God has forgiven me, I ask forgiven all this, but when you're young, you do dumb stuff, okay? And there were people who were the product of my dumb stuff. So that, that's probably my biggest disappointment is not really taking advantage of the people that God uh, gave me. Uh, that's a good question. Do you see Satan attack pastors differently than non-pastors? Yes, that's, that's a great question. I think that Satan really attack pastors on all kinds of levels from their families, their marriages, their children, 
their morality, because if he can wound a pastor or get a pastor to fall, it's going to be a domino effect. So I think there's a lot of pressure. And whenever a pastor falls, don't jump on them and push them down because most people don't fall because they lustful and they greedy. And, you know, sometimes people uh, haven't managed their lives the way they needed to because they were so invested in other people in different situations. There's more to it than them just being lustful. As a pastor, how soon do you see the body of Christ being one uh, and one accord or unifying? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a good question. How soon? I don't know. I know we're going to be one because Jesus prayed it. I know God is coming back for a glorious church because uh, the word says it. But how soon? I don't know. What scripture reference do we have in the word of God that talks about how a pastor and a local church is connected to our destiny? I read it to you. If you go back and listen to it, uh, I read it to you. Uh, that was over in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. You have to understand that if Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 said that God gave, Jesus gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints so they could do the work of the ministry, so the body could be edified. Now, if the pastor has a unique position, now I'm not taking away from the apostle, we learn from the apostle, not taking away from the prophet, not taking away from the evangelist, not taking away from the teacher, but the person that you are being influenced the most by, if you're connected, is your pastor. Your pastor. That and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the other ministry gifts, because I stand in the office of a prophet myself. So I'm not saying that these gifts don't help us, but who you're sitting under on a regular basis, you hearing like your mom. Really, if your mother and father is speaking to you on a regular basis, there's nobody coloring your mindset the way they will. I don't care what's happening out in the world, and that's the way a pastor is. Every week that person is talking to you. So I gave you that text. I was talking about you yesterday, how you followed the pattern of your pastor price and got the same results. And you are a great pattern for others. We love you, Pastor Mike. Thank you. Thank you for that comment. This is so very helpful to me as I live in New York, but I absolutely grow by leaps and bounds when I listen to the teachings that come from Faith Chapel. I hold you all as my local church. I trust God led me to Faith Chapel. I had a conversation with my husband. I told him I believe that Faith Chapel is our church, and he began listening, and now we both listen to the teachings together. Faith Chapel is my local church. I tied into this branch of the ministry, and I grow by the teachings. Grateful. Wow. You know what? Let me say something about this. These are great. I got to say something about this. I got to say something about this. I know we're over time, but I got to say something about this. I got to say something about this. I receive you. I receive you as my sheep. You've received me as your pastor. I believe that's possible. It is even more possible now. Let me tell you, I said this just recently. The game has changed. The advent of social media We've gone virtual. Once we go back to in-person worship, we're not going to get away from virtual. 
because I believe the game has changed and I believe that we pastors will have members all over the world and the country. Just like these, this couple right here, there will be people in different parts of the country will connect to a local church in one part. They will tie to that church. They will get taught through that church. And then they can also get in small groups virtually. And then they're going to serve their community. And yet their pastor may be thousands of miles away. I believe that's the day we're living in. I have confessed that on a regular basis that I have members all over the country, all over the world. And I believe that is, that is real. And I believe the connection that you have in New York is real. And, and, and I believe I'm going to do something in New York one day because God has put New York in my heart. Uh, we, I've been connected to New York for years, so that's not strange, but I'm so glad you sent me that because I love you. I appreciate that. Got two questions and we'll close. Do you, um, Do you think that sometime you can join church too soon, even though it's a great church, but it might not be where you should be? I think that's possible. I think it's possible to, to join a great church that may not be your church because, because we're, most people don't know that we discover our pastor. You, that's new for people to understand that God gives us pastors. So listen, I'm, I'm convinced. I could say this from the, I think there are people may have joined a faith chapel, but maybe somebody else is your pastor. I think that's highly possible. Um, I, yes. This is the last question. In the past, I've planted some bad seed. I'm reaping a harvest of the seed I've sown, and I want to know how to turn bad crop, how to, turn, how to burn bad crop, or do I just have to ride it out? Well, listen, I don't know the context of everything that you're saying. Maybe you'll give me more context later. But I think God will turn everything around. I don't think... I. Sometimes it takes a while to, to navigate out of things, so I'm not going to say it's going to be an overnight thing. But I think if you commit yourself, if you plant bad seed, you go to God and say, listen, I planted bad seed. I shouldn't have done that. shouldn't have said that or whatever. And I think God gives us another chance. I think he turns around. So in a sense, we ride it out, but we're not riding out because that's the way it's going to be. We're riding out because we know God is turning around. Like the questions of the person was asking me, what's your biggest disappointment? Well, my biggest disappointment is that I think I wasn't a good steward over people that God gave me in the past um, because of immaturity. They were blessings to our church, but I didn't know how to manage it. Well, you can't live in it forever. I mean, you can't live in it forever. God gives us another chance. He gives us other opportunities. So, yes, he's turning around right now because I can hear your repentance. He's turning around. Just stay with God. You'll get there. You'll get there. Just like, uh, just like uh, uh, the, uh, you, you, you put in, you, you map out your destination, 
And um, thank God for the fact that we can plug in where we want to go. And then sometimes you get you you, uh, you get turned around and turned out. And then that thing says rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And I think God reroutes us all the time. Listen, uh, I got one more lesson on this. So if I don't get to all your questions, I think I hit most of them that came through. We'll do it next time. You can still send questions in. I'll answer them next time. Love you. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Great, great, wonderful questions. Amen. Praise the Lord.